Welcome back, everybody. This is your host, Cody Kelly, uh, host of It Is What It Is podcast. We have an amazing, amazing episode tonight. We're going to cover the Forever 21 bankruptcy news, uh, the launch of the new Puma store, the stock market moves uh, and its volatility, Roku actually outgrowing Netflix, and the latest developments for the 2020 Democratic presidential race. Stay tuned, y'all. It's going to be a great episode. Great article written by Lauren Hirsch and Lauren Thomas. Uh, The apparel retailer Forever 21 is debating uh, for or debating bankruptcy filing is weighing in on it. Apparently, uh, the retailer known as Forever 21 is considering Filing for bankruptcy as efforts to restruct his debt as run a dry. A uh, person familiar with the situation uh, stated that the retailer has been exploring restructuring options to shore up its liquidity as it struggles with its business. Forever 21 currently has more than 815 stores globally. It is considering filing for bankruptcy as efforts to restructure its debts. Uh, is becoming more and more rampant. It cannot be immediately determined whether the company has begun to raise a so-called debtor in possession loan that would fund a potential bankruptcy. And it's still possible that the company is able to avoid a filing. Uh, Bloomberg has reported that the news of a potential bankruptcy filing uh, as troubled retailers like this uh, that are located in malls where fewer shoppers are spending their money. As sales declines, the companies are still weighed down by large, expensive store bases, even as retailers need to invest in technology to fend off competition from new brands born online. My thoughts, uh, there are a couple things. I, I, I agree that the necessity of the traditional mall experience is dwindling down if it has not uh, ultimately dissipated a few things. Yes, the Amazonification of the world. Yes, the birthing of online stores, but also more subscription-based, customizable products, experiential feel. Uh, nobody wants to go to a store to just window shop. The store has to create an experience, and the experience is not having clothes on a rack or having a clearance section. And your brand alone no longer means anything. The idea of this brand loyalty or too big to fail is absolutely crazy. You know, a disruptor or if somebody creates something that's cool and they make a few YouTube videos and it goes viral can be just as strong and as appealing as a a surefire brand that has been established for over 50, 60 years. It's about not just marketability, but about uh, relevancy. And sometimes stores like Forever 21 and stores that have invested so heavily in brick and mortar without the nuances of technology to aid brick and mortar get lost in the early millennia, late 90s. And as the economy has shifted and has evolved to the point now people want to, you know, have a subscription, they want to try it on, they want to lease things, they want to be in the mode and have something that is totally customized and servicing them, having articles of clothing that doesn't look like you can, you know, just pick it out and, and 800 other people have it. Uh, that is becoming more and more the common trend of fashion. Uh, having these big conglomerates or, or, or just, you know, areas where articles can be picked isn't as appealing. And then you're competing against, you know, 
the the mom and pop stores you're competing against other startups you're competing against um liquidators and and more um like plato's closet and so for you to differentiate yourself and say that you need to shop here well really what's your target audience i i think uh, the customer has evolved. The customer is aware the customer has options. And I think there's a failure on organizations thinking that um, groupings are a monolith, thinking that they have figured out their client base and have not invested the proper resources and time to analyze this shift and to really capitalize on it. And because of this, now you have this financial uh, situation. Uh, just goes to show once you have success, you have to study where it's going, the shift in economy. And this is more of an experiential uh, shift, really going from uh, almost that Lego store theme and and really going to uh, a situation that is, is proven that customers want it to be a unique experience. And companies that can focus on this unique experience will do better in the long term. Now let's shift to a positive retail store launch. You've now had the uh, closing up of Forever 21. Now you look at Puma. Uh, great article written by Lauren Thomas. Puma's first North American flagship opens up in Manhattan on Thursday the 29th. Uh, it's supposed to be a great deal. Uh, the opening comes as Puma gains momentum in the U.S. Puma is still growing. It's direct-to-consumer business. Uh, the sneaker retailer Puma on Thursday is opening up this brand new flagship location located on Fifth Avenue in New York. It is 18,000 square feet, and I repeat that 18,000 square feet, spanning two levels, uh, marking Puma's first brick and mortar location in New York and the first of its kind in North America. It currently has a little more than $100 stores in the U.S., but it does not have a full size or full price location. It has been focused mainly on selling through wholesalers. Uh, the CEO of Puma, Joran Golden, has said, I see this store as a commitment to the American market uh, in an interview. Uh, as recorded on the store, as few, this store will have a few interactive elements, including an F1 racing experience where customers can get inside an authentic Mercedes or Red Bull F1 racing car. In the store to compete a simulated race to the streets of Manhattan. In the basketball area, there's a stadium seating in front of a TV wall where shoppers can hang out and play NBA 2K. There's also a Magic Mirrors uh, section throughout the store where shoppers can take full-size selfies and then try the clothes on and shoes on virtually. So this goes to show you that obviously brick and mortar is not dead. There's still a need for the physical space. It just has to be rethought. You just can't sell your product as is. It has to be experiential. It has to be engaging. It has to be interactive. It has to be so nuanced that people will come to the store other than the products that you buy. And that the experience from being in this place is of equal value, if not greater value, than the products and services this, in turn, leads to the selection and adherence and consumption of the products and services. Great book that I encourage any employer, any organization, uh, profit or not-for-profit, to read is Experiential Economy, written by Pine and Gilmore, and it tackles these things. It talks about the transformative services that your uh, the entity has to provide. And, and when you really get into it, People just want something different. You know, if I'm going to support you, you know, what makes your shoe better than this shoe? Is, is, is it going to make me faster? Is it going to make me fly? You know, and you can no longer rely just on uh, 
having influencers speak, having athletes speak, it has to be deeper than that. It has to have something that connects to who that person is or identifies as. And when you have stores and physical places dedicated to the transformative nature of post-modernity consumption, you create this X factor that people just grab onto. And this X factor leads... Uh, to exponential growth. So hats off to Puma. I'm uh, excited about this retail store launch and I encourage all retailers, uh, all organizations, all businesses to understand that your brick and mortar, your physical location has to change and will change. As far as uh, market volatility, there has been a lot of interesting activity within the stock market. Uh, Great article written by Elizabeth Myung. Uh, states that the shares of Nutanix uh, soared to 18% in extending trading after the company announced a lower-than-expected loss for the fourth quarter. Uh, This cloud platform company resorted a fourth-quarter-adjusted loss per share of $0.57 on revenue of $300 million. Analysts have expected a loss per share of $0.64 on revenue of $294. According to Refinitiv Consensus Estimates, uh, the Found, their chairman, founder, and CEO of uh, Nutanix Pandias cited the company's record gross margins as strengthening a pipeline, progressing in sales, hiring, and recent large customer wins. Ali Bargains outlet holdings plummeted 26% after its revenue and earnings missed estimates. The discount retailer uh, reported second quarter adjusted earnings per share of $0.35, cents, a revenue of $334 million. These analysts have expected these earnings per share to be around $0.46 cents on revenue of $340. Ali has stated that it's lowered its full-year guidance, uh, that it was a tough quarter. Now, the reality is there's a lot of shift. You have a lot of up and down. But I don't think it should discourage investors from investing. I think you have to be wise about what you're investing into and you have to do your proper research. Um, whatever equity, stock, bond, call option, uh, cryptocurrency, um, initial song offering through Vest, whatever asset you are acquiring, I, I, I believe you should always go into it with the mindset that I could potentially lose it all and therefore it is okay. So you have to take the gambler's mindset out of it and realize, how can I be the most strategic about this? Once you do your research, you understand. And you don't need to know, like, I need another, you know, uh, revenue for the last five years and profit margins. And that'd be great. That doesn't necessarily always indicate a true blue chip investment. But after a while, I think you start building up your own level of comfort and rhythm. Uh, so when you go come across an article like shares of guests surged 10% after the company reported second quarter earnings. The clothing retailers uh, reported second quarter adjusted earnings. Share 38 cents on the revenue of $683 million, which is above what was expected at 29 uh, cents on the revenue of 671 So now you're saying, well, they're profitable. They're not making the mistake that Forever 21 made. What's the difference? Then that is kind of how you can start piecing it together. Uh, so overall, uh, has been a rebound from the last couple of weeks due to the tariff situation and political instability. Uh, but I still am uh, leery about the next, I would say, year. Um, as we get closer and closer to the presidential election, I want to see kind of how the stock market responds to the constant 
uh, barrage of political uh, movement. And I think that will determine ultimately the growth or the stifling of growth. Roku is growing faster than Netflix. Yes, it is true. Roku is growing faster than Netflix. Great article, Maggie Fitzgerald. Streaming business Roku has reached 80 million active accounts or will reach it by 2025, uh, according to William Blair analysts. Roku uh, has experienced similar phased stages of international growth as Netflix did during its international expansion. Shares of Roku, uh, which sells at its own streaming devices with thousands of channels, provides an operating system for smart TVs and have been a tear this year, climbing nearly 370%. And I said again, 370%. Earlier this month, Roku topped expectations on the second quarter earnings that it reached 30.5 million active users during the first during the quarter. I believe it. I have a Roku TV up 39% from the same period last year, 1.4 million more than it had the prior period. My thoughts. You have to have a platform within a platform. Uh, Roku hosts these uh, for TV users. Um a platform where Netflix, where your Hulu TVs, YouTube TVs, and your other streaming apps uh, can be easily accessible or easily accessed. Uh, and because of it, and because of its ability to uh, be implemented through the traditional uh, intent, not just intent, but technology of a television, it makes Roku that much more attractive. I would say you don't have to reinvent the wheel, but sometimes you do have to learn how to fly, right? Like, so you you don't have to uh, keep doing what has always been done. But there is a gradual evolution with business. And I think companies that understand how to take it up a notch better position themselves for future success. I think what we're seeing here is not a phenomenon. It's just a great strategic move on Roku's part. Uh, Netflix was a phenomenon. Roku is just great strategy. Uh, but great strategy sometimes is better than being a phenomenon. It's just like hard work over talent, right? Uh, so hats off uh, to Roku. If Netflix were to do something similar, that'd be interesting. But um, hats off to Roku. Hats off to this extreme growth. Uh, this is great, great for investors, great for the company, and ultimately something that you should look into. A few developments in the presidential run for 2020 on the Democratic side. Um, is this a foregone conclusion or are candidates like Bernie Sanders or Senator Sanders, Senator uh, Warren, Senator Harris, uh, Mayor Buttigieg, uh, a real contender for the uh, face of the Democratic Party for the being the front runner of it? As uh, Vice President Joe Biden, as he slipped into political abyss, I'm not too sure. Uh, he has slipped in the polls. A few questions has uh, arisen. Uh, today's poll affirms the rank order of President uh, Trump's potential challengers. The answer four months before voting starts to be very clear. So you have Joe, Elizabeth, Bernie, Kamala, and Pete, uh, really the front runners, according to the uh, Sofolk and Quinnipiac poll of the 21 Democratic candidates, 
In each case, five of them received at least 5% of the vote. 16 did not. Those 16 faced grim prospects, 10 of them, Steve Bullock, Bill de Blasio, John Delaney, Tulsi Gabbard, Kristen Gillibrand, Wayne Messam, Tim Ryan, Joe Stag, Tom Steyer, Marion Williamson will not appear on the third Democratic debate next month. The other six, Cory Booker, Julian, uh, Julian Castro, Amy Klobuchar, Beto O'Rourke, Andrew Yang, and Michael Bennett have little to show for months of campaigning in two previous debates. My thoughts coming down to the third Democratic debate, th- we do have to... Uh, reduce it to 10. Uh, it, it has to be reduced to 10. There's no doubt about it. Um, of the 10, who I would personally like to see, uh, Joe, Senator Elizabeth Warren, Senator Sanders, Senator Harris, Mayor Pete, and that's a given, right? Like, that's everybody's five. Of the other five, uh, Corey, Senator Cory Booker, uh, Julian Castro, Beto O'Rourke, Andrew Yang, and I'm going to go with my toss-up. I'm going to go with Marianne Williamson. I know that... (laughs) uh, I, I think it's interesting. I, I think uh, she offers a different perspective, a, a much needed perspective. Um, and I think it's about preserving value. If you have too much of the same thing, I don't think you get enough honesty and enough uh, parity. Uh, you get what I would like to call uh, calcified diversity. What I mean by that, like, it's not true. It's more like talking points than actualities. Uh, so Marion Williamson, uh, proponent of reparations, amazing. If you really listen to her, I think she kind of adds that like other end, uh, of, of the democratic field. Um, Andrew Yang and then Corey Julian, uh, would be great additions to this next debate. Uh, it's coming down to the wire. And, and then after that, I think you have to, you know, knock it to five. And then after that, uh, to three. And then after that, you know, it's, you have the one, uh, and that's going into the general. But exciting times. I do think Joe Biden has to step up. I, I do believe that he has not shown anything of notoriety or notable moments during the first two. Nothing that has really been a standout. Um, and I don't know if he's just strategically trying to plan it for the long term, long haul. Uh, but I think it is raising some concern about Joe's, uh, about President, Vice President, former Vice President Joe Biden's effectiveness in delivering his message. Uh, but overall, this is going to be um, a much needed um, dive into who's the best candidate, and I'm looking for the next debate. Scheduled for August the 30th, uh, Mayor Lori Lightfoot. Uh, we'll have her first state of the city address. Uh, Mayor Lightfoot will present a long-term financial plan and a display of investments to help working families uh, in the uh, stated uh, speech. Uh, this is going to mark the first 100 days in office, um, campaigning on a promise to clean up the city's corruption at City Hall uh, to... 
uh, impact and negative and to positively come against uh, automatic privilege and to fix from an institutional level uh, some of the elements of the city of Chicago. Uh, I, I do believe the necessity of this speech is definitely warranted. Um, laying out a vision and a plan for the city is something that's needed. Communicating that message with all the residents or all the, to me, true uh, makeup of the city is absolutely essential. I think for Chicago, as a Chicago native, as a Chicago resident, um, Chicago needs unity and direction. Chicago needs uh, its mayor to come up with holistic solutions that will benefit, uh, will be a benefit uh, for uh, all of Chicago, not just some of Chicago. And I think when this message is more uh, in demonstration uh, than in rhetoric, the city will move forward. Chicago has made some positive progress in areas of safety and has made some um, mishaps. Uh, I think losing Amazon was a big deal. But I think if Chicago can be the hub of attraction for businesses, for employers, for families. And I think that's what is really missing. The safety of Chicago is concerned. I think it's not family-oriented or pushed for it. And it's hard when you're dealing with a a big city to really have that. It almost seems, uh, you know, like the two would be somewhat contrary. But uh, the understanding of individuals flocking to the city has to be uh, the four... uh, push the, the one of the most important things there has to be an invitation toward all and this will come about through safety through uh climate environmental decisions through um economic opportunities uh you know come through its diversity come through a myriad of factors uh, but if mayor lori lightfoot can effectively uh, communicate this plan effectively uh demonstrate the necessity for this and really work on its true implementation, I do believe this will be the start of a true uh, positive feel for all of the city of Chicago. This has been another great episode of It Is What It Is podcast. Connect with me on uh, Twitter, Cody's Life One, Cody's underscore Life One, Instagram, CVMK33. I'd love to hear from you. Love to feature you. Love to kind of get your just feedback on it. Love to engage with you. Uh, any and all shout outs, welcome. Tell me how you feel about it. Um, exciting to cover these events. If you want to see more, just let me know what you want me to cover. Also, be on the lookout. Like I said, Patreon, that will be coming soon. Brand is about to be released uh, within the next month. Uh, you're going to see a lot of new developments, website, app, everything coming soon, real quick, real soon. I'm looking forward to it. Till next time. Thanks.